And we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here, of course, as always, with Dr. Bear Paul Lando. And today we are diving deep back into germ theory and the nature of contagion in relation to viruses and um, uh, coming from a bioterrain perspective, which is the background of Dr. Lando. And so uh, we've gotten a lot of attention from our past videos on Louis Pasteur and Antoine Bouchamp and, um, you know, the historical perspectives of where we've gone on this road towards modern health uh, in terms of kind of this fork in the, the road of where we have germ theory and we have terrain theory. And so today we want to just dive back into this into these concepts because obviously everyone in the world, pretty much I think a third of the world right now, if not more, is stuck at home because of a virus. So what better time to talk about this? How are you today, Bear? Uh, caught me in the middle of a swallow. Doing good, Sorry, thanks. Okay. Good. This would be a great one. Um, looking forward to it. Yeah, and um, you know, it's uh, great to see more people in the chat today. Um, our, our platform's definitely growing. Uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast later, we do do this every Thursday at 10 in the morning live. Uh, we're running a little late today, but uh, it's live on a platform called DLive, DLive.tv forward slash Alpha Vedic. And uh, we're really embracing this platform. It's an alternative platform that uh, is... Um, as of now, doesn't have the censorship that something like YouTube has. So we're embracing these uh, kind of uh, these newer um, these newer technologies that are allowing for this kind of information to get out. So please uh, go on to dlive.tv forward slash alphavedic and subscribe. And you can join in the chat. Um, we get a lively crowd in here sometimes, and you can actually ask, ask questions to myself or Bear or the guests that we have. So it's a great platform. And, and we are getting a lot of new uh, subscribers and people to the channel. And, you know, I just wanted to give a little background real quick before we dive in today. Alpha Vedic is uh, many, many years in, in the making here. In fact, I remember, Bear, when I had a conversation with you, God, when we were really just starting this back in 2014, maybe 2013, when uh, we had a conversation on the phone about germ theory and you know, it kind of shocked me when you told me about contagions and how, you know, we don't get sick from outside bad guys and germs. And I was just, you know, I asked you a lot of these questions. I think we had like a two hour conversation and essentially that's what we're going to do today. But that was, God, back in 2014 when we really started to kick in the company and it's grown and really this is a family company, uh, with the Landos and myself. And we have a farm up here in Northern California on the border of Oregon and we grow herbs and we make products. And um, if you want to support us, you can go to our website, alphavedic.com and see all the wonderful products that we hand formulate and sell. And these are all formulated by Bear based on his decades of clinical work. And now we're offering these to the public directly from our website. So if you want to support us, that's the best way to support us and support your health. It's a win-win really on both sides. You can go to alphavedic.com. We've got an exciting new website coming out with an amazing new line of products. Uh, our Life Force Protein line has been totally revamped with a focus on immunity. We're bringing back our whey um, protein formulations as well, uh, the goat whey, and uh, it'll integrate, it integrates colostrum and all sorts of amazing immunoboosting uh, adaptogens. 
and everything that Bear has put a lot of time into. And so we're going to actually have a pre-sale on these because we have a limited supply. So we'll have more information on that soon. But really, really exciting products coming out as well as our new C60 line that Bear has been working on. So, I mean, so much. You can go to alphavedic.com. The, the old site's still up, but we're hoping to have the new site up in a week or so. Uh, and then we'll start teasing and pre-selling these new products. It's really exciting, Bear. I can't wait to get these out to the public. So um, that being said. Yeah, me too. We're, and everything's ready to go. Just uh, get the technicalities done and we'll launch. And yeah. very timely with what's going on in the world because they're really suited to people's concerns. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about, uh, about them. I can't wait. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of our products <laughs> myself. So um, I take them every day and it's really changed my life. We'll get a little bit into my perspective today, but mostly it's going to be bear talking. But I will say I was riddled with things like strep throat and, and illness for years in my 20s and um, Alphavitics really turned it around for me and really more than the products, to be honest, it's this information we're gonna go into today that really is uh, powerful because it's freeing. It really, it really uh, is liberating uh, information and I think it's more timely than ever. So um, let's get into it today. Um, let me just give a little background on what we're talking about today and um, and then uh, I'll let you kind of dive in. I think you even have a presentation for us today, Bear. Um, but basically, uh, you know, amidst this present climate of, of fear and confusion from COVID-19, um, a lot of people were just not trusting official channels of information. And for good reason, uh, everybody just wants the truth. And um, there's a lot of dubious statistics and conflicting reports that are amplifying this collective anxiety. Um, in the AlphaCast community has been encouraged with recent discussions within the authentic media from medical experts that paint a not-so-dire prognosis on this current issue. Uh, we're seeing it uh, in the mainstream uh, with, uh, you know, originally being told that 200,000 deaths in the UK and it's dropped down to 20,000 and, um, you know, so a lot of conflicting information out there. So we're going to dive in today and hopefully give a little bit better perspective on the nature of disease, what germs, uh, how they relate to infection and contagion. Uh, and, and Dr. Bear Lando, um, I'm going to give a little background to him again, just so for those who are new to our channel, um, can understand kind of where he's coming from. So uh, I know, Bear, this can be kind of cringy for you because <laughs> you're not really, you're, you're so humble. Um, but I think it's important for people to get a little perspective here on um, your background. So uh, Dr. Bear Paul Lando was both a pre-law and pre-medicine undergraduate student recognized for maintaining a 4.0 GPA as a Division I scholarship football player and later taught at the university level after completing his graduate degree in social psychology. Uh, Dr. Lando then obtained MICP certification at Stanford Medical School and served several years as a paramedic firefighter. Naturopathic college came next with the curriculum emphasis in Chinese medicine and classical homeopathy, followed by graduating summa cum laude from chiropractic college. He is a charter diplomat in clinical kinesiology from Body Integration International and has completed numerous postdoctoral trainings and certifications in disciplines including bioterrain medicine, Japanese meridian therapy, craniopathy, visceral manipulation, new German medicine, oxidative therapies, met metabolic typing, and endobiogenics. 
Dr. Lando began his, began his private practice in 1981 and developed an international following for people suffering from chronic degenerative conditions, seeking his services as a bioterrain medicine and functional movement specialist. In more recent years, he earned his Master Gardener in Permaculture Design Certification through Oregon State University and pre presently oversees his off-grid medicinal herb farm while teaching organic farming and ionization soil analysis. Now retired from clinical medical practice, he remains active in the internal martial arts, health consulting, creating formulations for his herbal company, and developing innovative medical protocols based on the principles of waveform physics. So there you go. Um, I'll throw it over to you, Bear. How do you want to start this today? Uh, I almost don't know where to start. I, I did put some notes uh, quickly on a PowerPoint presentation, but I don't want to make this over um, academic. I'd like to get through some of these topics as quick as possible because we've all, actually already had podcasts on some of the matter. And uh, then I, I, I'm more comfortable just opening it up into a general discussion with questions. But, uh, you know, I am encouraged, as you've already mentioned, that there's a lot of prominent physicians and researchers, scientists, that are coming out with a whole different view of... Um, of microbiology and resurrecting uh, old school science, which is real science, it gives you a whole different understanding of what microbes are and that the, and the fact that they aren't contagions at all, and without them, life wouldn't be possible. And um, a lot of these uh, people, I'd encourage you to watch their videos, uh, you know, just doing really good presentations. They're also giving an understanding that what we're seeing under the guise of uh, CV-19 is, uh, you know, really kind of a smokescreen for a lot of other things going on. And, um, you know, we don't need to get into that. And just so people know, I'm not suggesting that there aren't people with real symptoms out there. Uh, because there, you know, there, there are casualties, but if you really look at the statistics uh, without sensationalizing them the way the media is, uh, you'll find that um, media reporting is very disproportionate. Uh, they're skewing the statistics, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, miraculously, CV-19, the way I see it, it's curing all these other diseases because nobody's dying from anything but... Uh, CV-19. So, yeah, you know, there's fun. a lot more going on. This is a, in actuality a financial reset. It's also um, ushering in the, the new cashless society and consolidating, uh, you know, governance into fewer and fewer hands. And um, so, Mike, did, did well, you want to say something? You look like you want to say something. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I, I did a thing for our Patreon where I kind of broke down some stats uh, for, you know, the official stats and who knows what those are. And we can talk a little bit about how these tests uh, for these quote unquote viruses play a lot into the game here, the con game. But um, here's a little perspective real quick on deaths in 2020 so far. So a third of the world is now stuck in their homes, um, uh, middle classes being obliterated, uh, small businesses being destroyed, people's lives being turned upside down, and more than anything, anxiety and fears being driven by a boogeyman called CV-19. Meanwhile, so we've got about over, uh, let me see, let's actually check here, uh, what are they saying now in terms of uh, the scary CV map here? Uh, we have... Uh, they're saying now total deaths. They're saying 981,000 total confirmed with 50,000 deaths. Uh, 
um, in so far, which is a scary number. That sounds really scary. And we'll go into how that those numbers aren't even really, I mean, that's very questionable. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But just to give you a little perspective, I mean, we've got from heart disease already, we have 2.5 million deaths from cancer, over 2 million deaths, children under five, almost 2 million deaths from smoking, uh, 1.2 million deaths from alcohol. Um, we have 550,000 deaths. This is just in 2020 so far. Automobile accidents, 300,000 deaths. Suicides, almost 300,000 deaths. Malaria, 250,000 deaths. Seasonal flu, 125,000 deaths. Mothers during birth are more. 69,000 deaths. Where, uh, where are we, um, you know, this is an obvious connection here. Are we uh, stopping people from driving cars uh, with almost 300,000 deaths from automobile accidents? Are we forcing people inside, that uh, kids inside, children under five? Because for some reason, there's a lot of them dying um, from probably Novo virus, quote unquote, and all these other things that we don't talk about that have been around uh, that, you know, is the other media scare. So what's going on here with this? Um, it's really fascinating that um, obviously there, there's a lot of craziness happening in the world always. And something we always talk about, this is like our number one thing we talk about on this channel all the time is that it's amazing that people are alive after 14 with all the toxins in the world and everything and all the chronic conditions. We are a sick population. We are a very, very sick population, and we've been sold this narrative that we are at the apex of our civilization, that mankind's never been healthier, and, and thanks to modern medicine. But it's amazing that a, an average human being gets to, to be a teenager these days. So um, anyways, I just wanted to give a little perspective there, and I'll throw it back over to you. Mike, did you mention uh, the biggest statistic of all, which is the number of deaths uh, by iatrogenic causes from medical intervention and also uh, taking pharmaceuticals as prescribed, which is actually very conservative uh, because um, they don't consider a lot of things? Uh, that's amazing uh, that you bring that up. Actually, uh Dr. Andy Kaufman's in the chat with us today. It's so great to have him. I connected with him this morning, and he's been doing some amazing work out on uh, YouTube and stuff, spreading this information. He just said, don't forget the 250,000 from non-medical, or excuse me, from medical <laughs> errors, and 128,000 from drugs. Um, obviously, um, and this is a bold statement to say, but, um, and I'll say it because I don't care because from my research is that more people, more death has arisen from vaccinations than anything else in the 20th century, 21st century, period. So I'll put that out there. Um, I don't care if I get flack from that. From my research, that's what I've found. So anyways, go ahead, Bear. Yeah, and thank you, Dr. Kaufman. You know, I've uh, seen little snippets of a couple of your videos. You're doing a fantastic service out there. And people have to understand it takes a lot of courage. You know, I um, went a different medical path and, uh, you know, after my pre-med and, and doing a conventional certification, but just, you know, went in a different direction. But people that work within the straight, uh, you know, medical system, have a lot to lose and suffer the greatest persecution when they leave the fold. And, uh, you know, sometimes not good things happen. Uh, you know, I've had colleagues, uh, I had one uh, person that we were 
working uh, together with people that had cancers. I won't even mention the area and everything, but uh, we're having a good measure of success, not curing cancer, but understanding the cause of it in the first place and learning how to work with it. And uh, he uh, decided to get a little bit vocal. Now, I spent many years before him in, uh, you know, practice and knew that, uh, you know, I just needed to keep off the radar. Not that I was doing anything wrong, but I just wanted to practice unimpeded and be able to help people without interference. So um, he got out there and, and he uh, suffered a very untimely demise. Now, he was uh, 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 not only an MD, but he was from China and... and um, Anyway, he also was uh, very well versed in Chinese medicine, but I won't say anything more about that. But, um, you know, that's that's what happens to people. So to, to get out and speak in today's climate is uh, can actually be dangerous. So thank you, Dr. Kaufman and, and medical doctors that are really coming out in increasing numbers. Okay, so let's jump into this here. Um, I'll start a little PowerPoint there, and forgive me if I'm a little clumsy with this, but uh, okay. I can hardly see my screen because the sun's shining in here. Not going to complain about the sun. Yeah, um, oh, no. you know, and, and that's the thing. We are in an information war, uh, even though I hate to use the, word, the term war, um, but because that's their language. Um, and, and speaking of language... Um, that's the other trick that we're dealing with, which I'd love to talk about a little bit today. That's a whole other podcast, but they get you, they get us trapped in these, these specific boxes because of the language that they give us to use. So when we say something like virus, that's their language. Um, and we, we kind of went into the history of vir virology a little bit with the Royal Rife podcast we did, Dr. Thomas Rivers and the Rockefeller Institute and such. But we get trapped using their language. And um, that's why we're going to use terms like microzema or protids today, things that other, um, you know, real scientists have come up with. That's our language. Uh, and so I think that's an important thing is to start really getting back on our terms and getting our language out there so that um, we can have a better uh, stance, a better, uh, you know, foundation to work from. But that's where a lot of the confusion comes in is that a lot of times we're stuck using um, the terms in the, the game that they've set. And that's a podcast in itself, Mike, because, uh, you know, years ago I trained with a gentleman who uh, was renowned at the time. He worked at the Supreme Court level and he taught us, uh, you know, real jurisprudence and, and how things have been hijacked there. But also, uh, he's a master of language, and we've incrementally been taught to speak dog language or dog Latin. Uh, it's <laughs> caused, uh, called by the, and, and they really call it dog Latin, and they laugh at the commoners that use dog Latin because, you know, the, as we talk about in other uh, subject matter when it comes to physics and waveform mechanics, uh, when we're hijacked at the mental level and our creative faculties are being used to utter frequencies out there that are, um, you know, very powerful and words have a lot of power and these words that we're using all the time are unknowingly creating exactly what we don't want and creating the reality that other people want. And when it comes to, um, uh, you know, so we need to clean up our language, but it's it's uh, it's it's very awkward because there's no words to describe what's really going on, 
And, uh, you know, we'll run into that a little bit today. And towards the end of this presentation, we'll talk about, uh, you know, when we get into new German medicine, we'll, we'll go beyond Louis Pasteur and all the microbe uh, controversy and show what contagions really are on another level and how those are represented down into our physiology and microbiology. It's a lot of information that people take in. And the most difficult thing is we have to fundamentally change our um, belief systems and our thinking about everything we think is true. And just how William Casey from the CIA uh, you know, decades ago uh, stated very boldly that we will have achieved our mission, mission when everything the American public believes to be true is actually false. Uh, you know, that's where we're at now. We don't know what upside down, uh, you know, right side up is. We're just totally confused. And uh, contagions are one of the biggest scams that's ever been sold to us. Now, what makes this a little bit more difficult is that people are you know, succumbing with symptoms. And you have to understand that there are other causes for symptoms. Sorry, Mike, can you hear my phone in the back? Oh, yeah, we know your people are calling you with symptoms right now. <laughs> yeah, that'll stop in a second. So okay. I know you, well, uh, speaking so, of symptoms, I know you've been getting inundated with past clients and patients who have symptoms. And this will go to the new German stuff and yeah. other stuff, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and in... Now we're getting aerosoled uh, in the atmosphere, we're getting 5G'd, we're getting vaccinated, and all these things people don't consider, and we just revert back to our belief system as, oh, I caught a bug, I caught a virus, I've got the flu. And I'm constantly telling people, no, there's way more to it than that. You know, there is a, a little community just um, northeast of us in southern Oregon uh, a couple years ago. Uh, very well known where they're conducting an experiment there and aerosoling the hell out of those people. And almost everybody in the town was, uh, you know, very, very ill for over a year with the same exact symptoms. And atmospheric samples revealed that not only did they have the normal um, uh, heavy metals and things that they spray on top of all of us, but they had live cellular matter, they had engineered microbes, um, nanorobotic particles that I've seen in people's skin, you know, people call it Morgellons. I've seen those with my own eyes, I've seen them under the microscope. So, um, you know, we really have to understand when you're hearing all these casualties, uh, you know, of very real people suffering right now, there's other things causing it. And, um, and then we also have bioengineered microorganisms. And I don't know, none of us know exactly what those are doing. We know that things like limes were, uh, you know, uh, engineering spirochetes, um, you know, started with uh, live experimentation on a black male population, just um, injecting them with uh, these things uh, against their knowledge, uh, you know, or consent. And then that was the basis of developing limes, which was a, a bioweapon, a spirochete that detects normal immune uh, uh, recognition and, you know, makes it so difficult to get rid of. So we've got all these things going on. So I'm not saying people aren't having illnesses or symptoms. It's just we have to wake up real quick and understand there's a lot more going on in MCI here. And it's not just, oh, I got a virus or CB19, which has been part of uh, the flu, um, you know, outbreaks for decades. And if there were real tests 
you know, in years past, you'd see the same proportion of uh, CV, you know, at those times. Okay, enough of that. Yeah. Let's get into a little history. Go, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say the, um, that's really interesting that you saw the nanoparticles in microscope, and that's just frightening. But the, the, what we'll get in today and what's so inspirational is how powerful our biology and our spirit and our soul is in being able to heal ourselves. And that in the end, they, you could th- I mean, it's amazing the amount of toxicity and what, vi- what we'll find out and what my theory with viruses are. We have the systems already within us to protect ourselves. It's so amazing. Anyways, uh, the human body and the human spirit is so powerful. Go ahead. So what we'll talk about today is imagine a world before the Royal Society and the eugenicists and, and all the good people out there decided to experiment on us and uh, take it in their own hands to treat us like herd animals. What we're going to report is how biology actually works and um, how that all these things we're afraid of are actually um, more than just our friends. Mike, you stop me with any questions. And um, yeah, I'm really and again, try to some of this you. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to belabor a lot of this because we have talked about it, but I just want to create a timeline. So here we go. Let's start out with some statements first. And uh, okay, uh, forgive me here. Yeah, and uh, you know it's amazing how important history is, and how history is continually wiped clean by the victors of of who's in control. So, man, and and we talk about this all the time. To be a physician, uh, you know, the classic physician is it's a it's a full spectrum outlook on from history to understanding economics, understanding politics. I mean, it really requires all that. Yeah. Okay. Can you see uh, what I'm looking at? Yeah. Okay. Contagions about terrain perspective. And again, we'll move fast. Stop me with any questions. So let's start with some uh, just statements. And I did this on the fly real quick. So uh, I don't know how good it is. I'll be uh, experiencing it along with you here. All right. So science or mythology, you know, are contagions real? So human biology is a two way holographic interplay of body and psyche seeking balance through microbial mediated pre-programmed processes. That's quite a a mouthful. So let's read it again. Human biology is a two-way holographic interplay. Well, what do we mean? So if you go in the world of, uh, you know, physics, electric universe people, and, and all the folks that are, you know, proving out these concepts, not just talking about them in the abstract, we realize that, uh, you know, our entire reality comes uh, fundamentally from our consciousness, and that um, creates uh, polarized electrical forces that create the vibrations that register uh, three-dimensionally on our senses and give us our whole experience. Now, that means, uh, let's just pretend that's true, whether you buy it or not. If it is true, then that means everything, everything that we consider physical, including microbes, are byproducts of these other forces. So in order to get at the bottom of things and make fundamental changes, we have to go to that level, which means everything we're doing here on ground level, trying to come up with vaccines and antibiotics and all the things to fight the terrorist microbes, uh, you know, we're coming at it from the wrong side of the equation. However, once we are in 
you know, this belief system and we're experiencing these things and they seem awful real when they're happening, then that is going to interplay in the other direction too and kind of crystallize, uh, you know, uh, our creative faculties that are putting this stuff in motion in the first place. So that's what I mean. It's a two-way holographic interplay. And just like they talk about with fractal geometry and, and people that are into holographic, um, you know, uh, science, uh, we, we understand that everything in the old uh, axiom throughout the ages, as above, so below, these things uh, are representations of the same exact thing happening on different dimensions. And um, they have to outpicture in our little part of the world where you know we're experiencing things through our five senses so um and then again it becomes a two-way street and these uh this interplay also is constantly seeking balance in other words uh anything that is out of order uh, from the natural, from natural law, or you know the the grander patterns that govern nature and and all of universal life, then these patterns will seek balance, and we have built into our biology uh, mechanisms that um, actually work in our favor to bring us back in alignment with the larger patterns and uh you know that would make us a lot happier and solve all of our problems now we say that they're mediated by microbes well uh microbes uh not only carry out all the functions on the physical level and you know i'm a farmer and the first thing we start with when we're looking at our soil when we want to grow healthy things and uh, make it sustainable is we pay closest attention to the microbes and and assure that we have the right balance and an abundance of them because uh, you're dead in the water if if that's not happening and that's what's happening to our agriculture these days uh, you know the soil's devoid of these guys and these guys also in our body do the same thing but they also convey information they're like the little internet of things within our bodies within the soil and they convey messages uh, from our external environment internally to us in our own personal ecosystems. So microbes, uh, without them, life would not be possible. Um, and and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll expand on that a little bit more. Okay, the second point, viruses do not exist or spread in the way we are led to believe. Now, you know, again, take it or leave it, but there's a lot of uh, very prominent uh, um, virologists and people uh, Stefan Lenka is somebody that everybody always mentions because he's, you know, he's somebody that's uh, really le left a lot of good evidence and, and even done some things in, uh, in uh, court cases, you know, that uh, show that the conventional system had to acknowledge some of the things he was saying. But uh, what we think of as viruses, we'll get into that a little bit more. And, and I, for years, do laboratory tests that... Um, uh, show me exactly what I believe viruses to be. And there uh, gets to be a little confusion too because we're going to talk about pleomorphism and that gets into the concept of protids or somatids, uh, the way Gaston Nason termed them. And, uh, you know, I studied with him myself. And uh, these guys, um, you know, sometimes are called viruses. Uh, um, Royal Rife said he was finding the frequencies to kill viruses. Well, it, it goes back to what you're saying, Mike. You know, we use these words 
and sometimes they get used inappropriately because we don't have any words for what's actually yeah. going on yeah. in the first uh, place. So we'll talk more about that. Bishop, uh, the seeds Bishop, of, go ahead. Bishop, yeah. Uh, Bishop called them vibrions or something that the microzema created. Yeah. So, yeah. There's different. Um, so the seeds of bacteria and microbes exist within us and do not infect, but are instead activated. We'll build on that a bit. Interference with the biphasic activation of microbes can lead to dangerous or chronic symptoms. When I say biphasic activation, now you have to get into the principles of German medicine, which uh, studies within new German medicine, medicine went so far beyond what our conventional medical studies do as far as proving their uh, premises and actually giving physical evidence that what they're saying was actually true. We'll get to that. A deficiency of the necessary resources required by microbes to carry out the intended corrective functions will create a biological plateau of unwanted symptoms. A biological plateau is just something that I've used over the years because I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, the reason why microbes sometimes uh, look like they're creating problems is because they are being stymied to fulfill the mission they were intending to do in the first place. And uh, when they were, um, you know, secreting different uh, things that give us fevers and, you know, inflamed tissues and, and create all the other things we call symptoms, if they do not have the proper resources or are stymied by uh, medical intervention, antibiotics, and that sort of thing, then, um, then these microbes, out, uh, let's just say, overstay their welcome in certain phases of pleomorphic progression. And then, you know, we feel sick, you know, for a long time. And also it can become dangerous uh, and it's not through any fault of them or any intention of them. It's because our ecosystem has been tampered with. So the next one, fear-based assumptions grounded in the ignorance of these natural mechanisms represents the biggest impediment to personal health and collective progress. Because when you understand that your own system is designed to heal you and keep you in optimal health, then you will no longer fear these exact uh, mechanisms and, uh, you know, lead you to make some very um, uninformed decisions that are going to work against you very strongly. And, of course, fear creates more uh, biological toxins than any other. Um, yeah, I'd rather get chemtrailed all day long than live in a state of fear. You can survive that better than if you live in a state of fear. And that's a real physical thing. Okay, the last one we say theories of germs and germ transmission are based on dubious research, limited by the vested interest of medically accepted technologies and scope of research. So I think that's pretty self-explanatory. So any comments so far, Mike? Uh, I, uh, yeah, no, uh, it all makes sense. I mean, basically the fear-based uh, assumptions are obviously huge because that's what we're seeing right now. And we'll get more into with new German medicine, how fear literally creates the biological expressions that result in the symptoms of disease. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, just fascinating. The first one, the human bio- human biology is a two-way holographic interplay of body and psyche, seeking balance through microbial mediated pre-programmed processes. That's so so important for people to understand. It's a really amazing system. Our body is just so elegant. We are. It's the most complicated, amazing machine in the world, and we treat it like garbage. So anyways, um, and we re- the reductionist scientism that has dominated the last 150 years uh, is just pathetic. I'll leave it at that. And I understand that first statement. There's a lot of disciplines that one would necessarily have to study and understand uh, in order to pick that one sentence apart. And what I hope to do today is, um, you know, like a lot of the the great doctors that are out there talking on this subject right now, uh, what we bring to the table a little bit differently is that we just, we haven't um, just studied these in an academic sense, but I've spent, uh, you know, several decades uh, looking at these things under the microscope, I was trained in old school German microbiology and bioterrain medicine to understand what I was looking at, uh, you know, in my conventional medical studies and then uh, everything from naturopathic college and, and chiropractic college, you know, those all gave me other perspectives that I could bring to the table within, uh, you know, the uh, bioterrain medicine. And then when you um, are able to do these kinds of tests, including lab tests that we'll talk about later, uh, then you can apply therapies. And as I, you know, over the years applied these therapies based on the findings, you see that uh, as the bioterrain regains normalcy, then people regain their health. And you see countless people recovering from terminal situations and other kinds of chronic uh, you know, neurodegenerative diseases that they say are impossible to recover from. And you see them up and you know, walking again and all these kinds of things, not because of anything that a person like myself is doing. You know, I'm not healing anybody else. But if you understand the bioterrain and have a way to assess it and then work with it, you, you literally see what the other side would call miracles, but we know it's not miracles at all. It's the way things are designed to work. So on the first page here, other considerations, bioengineered organisms and bioweapons. Now that's, that's, a, that's a complication. So a lot of these organisms are, um, you know, uh, operate in stealth. They go undetected by normal immune barriers. You have cellular poisoning. A lot of what, um, you know, is going on these days is poisoning. You know, we uh, live in a remote area. We're in deep canyons and we get protected a lot from the aerosoling. Uh, But every so often in the last uh, couple months, especially, we were inundated right overhead for the first time. And then people in this small little community uh, all, all of a sudden on the same exact day woke up with splitting headaches headaches. 
and fevers and all these symptoms that uh, you know people might say, oh, you've got coronavirus. Uh, now, uh, you know, in my family, we understand how to purge these things. And within 24 hours, they're gone and you're as good as new and you're back to a normal day. Uh, however, people that uh, do not have those tools or understanding, uh, you know, those symptoms can hang on for a long time. So what I'm saying is that a lot of the symptoms are actually poisoning. And a lot of the viral conditions we talk about um, you know, viruses are made inside of us, as you'll see, and these viruses uh, externally to us, really, I don't know how they can get in our, into our body and take hold without them being injected into us, because if you're just exposed to the nasal passages uh, or your digestive system, they would die a thousand deaths before they ever had a chance of setting up uh, residence in your, in your own body. So a uh, whole nother talk. Uh, so the introduction of foreign DNA um, into our bodies, uh, you know, via vaccination, genetically modified organisms that are in our food, all these things are doing very deleterious things to our bodies, to our health, and to our psyche, because as your DNA changes those little, uh, you know, miniature antennas that pick up on the human bandwidth, uh, you know, uh, to lead us into higher realms of consciousness, those are impeded. And, um, you know, so that's why people are uh, living in fear and acting like herd animals these days. Okay, let's go to the next one and uh, we'll get through this. Can I just Real say one quick, thing? Let one me... thing about the, uh, it was interesting how you said how you have ability to um, negate the symptoms pretty quickly. And that's the other issue is that most people fall to the common remedies by running over to their quote unquote drugstore. And what do they get? They get these allopathic um, solutions, which just might stimmy some of the effects of the symptoms, but really just prolong and proliferate the underlying issues by not allowing the elimination pathways and stuff to get rid of the toxins. It's just hiding the symptoms and exponentially making them worse. And that's another massive issue which relates to all of this is that the very solutions that have been offered to humanity are the ones perpetuating the problem. Yeah, and, you know, we live uh, uh, in an area where there's nothing but dirt roads. So, you know, and I'm out there in my truck, or we're off-roading all the time. And we have to change our oil and our oil filters more frequently because we're off-roading. It's not like you're just driving around city streets. Mm -hmm. The fact is, is our bodies have the same filtration mechanisms. And our bodies now, no matter where you live, are off-roading 100% of the time <laughs> because they're taking in all these uh, substances. And so if you don't know how to go in and change the oil filter and, and you know, purge the system in different ways, yeah, you're going to be getting sick more often. And that's why statistically uh, life expectancies are plummeting right now. And uh, people are getting sicker, chronic degenerative diseases that when I first started in this business 40 years ago were rare or non-existent are now epidemic. 
you know, uh, a real medical profession would just sit back and go, hmm, what changed between then and now? But no, instead we keep saying, okay, we've, we've got to have the, the war on microbes or find the vaccine, or, you know, and of course, uh, suspiciously, it always uh, plays to the vested interest of certain parties. Um, and enough said on that. So let's go. We'll get through the next ones a lot quicker here because we've already talked about these things. But holler if you want to say something. And I'd really like some interaction with the peanut gallery out there. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of people in the chat. As it's it's actually kind of quiet. I mean, there's some nice chatter. No questions of yet. I think people are just enjoying this presentation, so just please keep going. Okay, so uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, let's go to the very first guy uh, to create a historical timeline. Hippocrates uh, lived a long time ago. Um, so a Greek physician credited with synthesizing prior medical knowledge as a systematic study of clinical medicine. He asserted that disease was determined by environmental factors, diet, and heredity. And what we're doing here, of course, is setting up the understanding that it's about the terrain, not about an illness or a microbe. So uh, biological life is microbe dependent. So Hippocrates proposed that all disease begins in the gut. Now, the gut is really the soil of your body. And there's a lot of talk about gut health uh, these days and very appropriately because the gut is where all, uh, you know, an inordinate amount of these microbes live. Uh, it's where 70, 80% of our immune system lives and, and they live within all the lymphatic networks. Uh, just, you know, um, one micron be, be, um, uh, beneath the surface, you know, the testomucosa mucosa is very thin and, and all these uh, guys live in that area. So it's all microbe dependent and they do so many functions for us. And, uh, you know, I uh, practice Chinese medicine and a fundamental axiom of Chinese medicine is that all disease begins within the digestive system. So we see different places in the world, different time periods. And in Chinese medicine, this goes back thousands of years, uh, just like Hippocrates. So they, everybody keeps coming up with the same thing except for our modern medics. Uh, next point, the intestinal tract is the soil of the body dependent on abundant and balanced microbe colonies no different than the soil of the earth. Life would not be possible in the absence of microbes. So why are we so afraid of these guys? Let's go on to the next guy. Classic inversion. Yep. Sure is. They invert reality. Beauchamp versus, yeah. So uh, Bouchamp versus Pasteur, uh, Mike, you did a great presentation on this, and then we followed up together and uh, a little bit more, and I think we'll probably have to go back here. But yeah, we'll, for we'll right go now, back because my, my presentation yeah. wasn't that great, to be honest, but it's, it's, I was struggling with these new concepts. I mean, I've known about them since, like I said, we had a chat in 2014 about it, but um, to be honest, I look back at that and cringe. I can't even listen to it. So we'll go back and revisit these. And, and I want to do a whole podcast on uh, Gunther Enderlein too, because that guy's fascinating. And also Wilhelm Reich. And then of course, Gaston Nasons. Go ahead. Yeah. And a few thousand people really liked your presentation. So maybe not that bad. Okay, um, the great conspiracy known as the germ theory of disease, and it is the grandest conspiracy. It's conspiracy facts, not conspiracy theory. 
uh, was seeded by the political forces that were backing the now infamous con artist Louis Pasteur. And there's no other way to describe him. The guy was, the guy was a snake oil salesman. Okay, so Antoine Bouchamp, uh, his contemporary, was the real guy that did the real research, had the, you know, the authentic understanding. He was a real scientist. Louis Pasteur, even during his time, his uh, contemporaries uh, recognized him as being kind of a second-rate plagiarist. Uh, so um, Bouchamp's cellular theory advocated treat the patient, not the infection. We could go, again, much deeper in this, but let's just get some ideas across. Microbes are opportunistic, and we'll talk more about that. That means if the environment is such, then they will uh, pleomorphically um, uh, change in ways to meet the demands of the ecosystem. And these microbes originate from within. We'll see that. Uh, he then concluded that microzymas, it's just his languaging rather than protids, somatids, and so forth, were more basic to life than cells. Now, when I look under a microscope, as I've done thousands of times for many years, when I see these microzymas, uh, sorry, microzymas or protids or somatids, and you see an abundance of them in a certain form, you know that that person is very vital and healthy. When you see um, uh, scant numbers of them and other uh, changes, uh, you know, in the blood, then you know that uh, you know the ecosystem is not going in the right direction. Now, Louis Pasteur plagiarized the research of Bouchamp and mischaracterized his findings to foster the germ theory of disease. And, of course, he had the full backing of the um, predator class uh, because this, uh, you know, the medical system was uh, by design uh, a major method of social engineering and control and to this day we see in current events that we're getting our chains pulled more than ever because many generations have been thoroughly brainwashed especially us doctors and there was a time and i've shared the story uh you know where i got red pilled we'll say and I was about to vaccinate my kids and got exposed to some different information, did a lot of research, went through a lot of emotional turmoil, and you know, still wasn't completely uh, sure what to do you know, with the situation, and then just followed my intuition, lived in a lot of fear because of it. And now I look back and say, thank God. Uh, but I understand how these uh, engrams get deeply implanted uh, in our consciousness, and it's hard to get rid of them because people and institutions that we have been taught to trust tell us this is the way it is, and they have very impressive facilities and all the money in the world behind them, and we have been taught that doctors are gods, and no different than when you're in a voodoo culture and the voodoo practitioner shakes some bones at you. If that is your belief system, you will get sick and you will possibly die because that is the power of our psyche. And now when a person in a white coat says you have, oh my God, coronavirus or cancer, well, is it any doubt that, you know, maybe our health declines from that point on? So uh, Pasteur allegedly recanted his theory at the, edge of, at the end of his life 
uh, stating the microbe is nothing, the train is everything. Uh, I like that story, I say allegedly, because uh, there's some controversy whether that happened, but but we'll just throw it out there for the heck of it. Yeah. All right. So the next guy we'll talk about is Gunther okay, Enderlein. Uh, one now, one uh, thing Enderlein. I'm uh, one thing Barrett. One thing I'm exploring with Louis Pasteur, and I've heard from a couple of people, is his connection to the Vatican. Uh, and I will come back with more. Um, it's really hard to find information on this, but there are some interesting investigators making some very interesting connections. We obviously know he was connected to the. The, the king of, um, of France and uh, the hierarchy there, but there seems to be some darker connections too. So, uh, you know me, I'm lo- and, I, love uh, a good, I love a good conspiracy. So uh, I'll be back with more information on that. The, yeah, the Vatican, boy, uh, let's, let's get into that more. You know, my family has some direct um, bloodline connections in that area with uh, one particular pope and... Um, <laughs> And I'm going to try to get Jason to hook me up with uh, Leo Zagami and because uh, he's a walking historian for everything Italian. So I want to get him on and explore more into wow. the Vatican and get into some of my family connections because I really want to know more. I'm trying to research that all the time and I'm, I, I only can get so far. Okay, so Gunther Enderlein, uh, pleomorphism. Pleomorphism just means that uh, microbes, just like uh, you know, a butterfly that goes through the different stages until he flies away, you know, and goes through the, the larvae, the caterpillar stage. You know, uh, microbes do the same thing in our body. You know, we don't go out in nature and see uh, uh, creepy crawlers on a dead deer carcass and say, "Oh, shoot, those flies killed another uh, um, <laughs> uh, deer." You know, uh, we, you know that would be kind of silly. But that's exactly what we do with germs. And, uh, you know, we find them at the scene of the crime and we make these really stupid assumptions because that's the way we're taught. And uh, they just go through these life cycles. And some of those life cycles uh, are purposely meant to uh, recycle old dead disease tissue in our body so that we can regain health. And um, let's talk more you know about what, that. You know what Bishop said? Bishop said, nothing is the prey of death but the prey of life. I love it. Perfect. Thank you. So um, Gunther Enderlein was a German zoologist and entomologist who based his work on the book Microzymas by Antoine Bouchamp. Uh, He just went the next level and was able to visualize these uh, uh, through microscopy and, uh, you know, is able to take it to the next level because he was able to see what Bouchamp was able to extrapolate through other studies. And um, now Gunther Enderlein's kind of a hero of mine because uh, when I studied classical German biotrain medicine, it was from that direct lineage, uh, you know, that was created by him. And he also created... Uh, isopathic remedies that are the protid um, form of these organisms that live inside of us. You know, we have different uh, um, classifications of them. We have um, uh, the penicillin variety, not to be confused with the pharmaceutical penicillin, but penicillin 
uh, frequentins, penicillin notatum, penicillium roqueforti, candida albicans, clan, uh, uh, different forms of candida paracelosis, um, uh, mucoracemosis, aspergillus uh, nigeb, and uh, there's uh, many others, uh, you know, that work on different levels, and these are the core of bioterrain medicine. Uh, we do a lot of things to create the environment inside so that these little seeds can take hold and go clean up um, pleomorphic developments in the body that have overstayed their welcome and are creating problems, and then simultaneously repopulate the ones that you want, which is what you call immunology, uh, not to be confused with vaccination, two different animals. And, uh, you know, and, and so biotrain medicine really, really relies on uh, repopulating these guys with the pharmaceutical preparations that uh, Professor Enderline developed. And uh, of course, isn't it interesting that those are even though I used them for decades, now they're harder and harder to find and banned in the U.S. and Australia and, and you know, all the Commonwealth countries. Okay, colloids of life or proteids reside in the red blood cells, white blood cells, plasma, and all bodily fluids and tissues. Uh, Enderline, uh, you know, surmised that these are about a 0.01 micron radius, which just coincidentally equals the approximate size of what we think of as a virus. And electron light microscopy that bounces off uh, beams and, you know, paints a, a very vague picture of what we think of as a virus. And by the way, folks, when you see those pretty pictures of coronavirus uh, everywhere you look these days, that's the CGI representation and and that's that's not the real thing that's a theory and um anyway we could go deeper into that but uh so um enderline uh you know was uh, surmising that these uh proteids are more than likely uh you know what we think of as virus um you know We'll, we'll talk more. So these symbiotic microbial seeds pleomorphically differentiate in size, shape, and function to provide for the needs of the human ecosystem. In his book, uh, Bacteria and Cyclogeny, he, and I have that over on my bookshelf here, uh, he presented arguments, proofs for pleomorphism that remain unrefuted to this date. Wouldn't that be cool if uh, we were taught this in medical school? Yeah, that would how are we cool. doing, Mike? Good, good. Lively <laughs> yeah. chat, lively chat going right now on the and uh, the D Live here, and you know Antoine. Not to always go back to Antoine Bouchamp, but he is kind of the guy I geek out on right now. And I'm reading the Blood in Its Third Element right now, and he he basically reiterates everything that uh, Gunther Enderlein uh, said as well. So there is a connection here of these illuminaries that uh, all are seeing the same thing. Now, also, one thing real quick, too, and I don't know if you're going to get to her or not, uh, but if you've heard of Dr. Uh, Philippa Uwins, use it Uwins? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And interesting that she's a newer uh, person in the late 90s, 2000s, who, using a new type of electron scanning microscope, uh, was able to uh, basically um, uh, uh, see these, what she called nanobes, uh, and it's called an environmental mm -hmm. electron microscope or something like that. So there's always, it's, it's there. We have a precedent over and over and over again of this. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into people like her in the future there. And when you get into the area of cancer, you'll understand just like the microbial hoax, um, cancer, you know, is also uh, a response, a biological response meant to heal. And, you know, back uh, way back when, you know, I'd see uh, scars in people's bodies when you're doing dissection and everything and body cavities and, and they were described as tumor scars. And uh, just, uh, you know, this was, you know, I studied back at a different time when uh, medics were all taught different things that keeps changing to accommodate the narrative that they want to sell. But, uh, you know, it's just recognized that tumors come and go. And, uh, and, and they didn't know why, but people most of the time uh, weren't even aware of them and they weren't a problem. And, uh, when they didn't go away, uh, most often people died with them, not because of them. And we'll, when we get into new German medicine, we'll show how these normal healing mechanisms, um, uh, the reason why sometimes they reach a biological plateau and keep developing in ways that become dangerous is because of all the tampering we've done with our ecosystem and especially with medical intervention that uh, prevents these guys from going full circle. So uh, we're going to see too when we get into new German medicine in a minute that uh, microbes have a great play in the whole cancer mechanism. And when these microbes are not in sufficient supply, um, then the tumor will not go away the way it's designed to do. Hmm. So um, let's uh, get back to this, see if we can finish it up. Yeah, sorry, we'll I'm getting, go good question, getting some good questions. Okay. Too, so. uh, do you want to do anything now or wait? Uh, let's wait because I think you're going to answer some of them already. And then I want to kind of get back into um, one of the big things is about what the immune system is, how it works you know, and uh, mm -hmm. how do we get like, quote unquote, lifetime immunity from something like, say, the chicken pox. So anyways, or what the chicken pox is. Well, you know, immunity is another interesting term because it suggests, you know, the army that's fighting the bad guys. Yeah. Our immune system, you know, again, when you go into other levels of understanding, like in Chinese medicine, we talk about Wei Qi, the outer barrier, which also is teeming with micro, right, microbes on the body surface. Um, it's, it's what defines us individually as a unique coordinate in consciousness that holographically, uh, you know, creates the, the bandwidth that we are recognized within this simulation as, you know, Mike or, or any one of us. And it's, it's more of a, a, a defining on a much more fundamental level. And it's not just this barrier to fight the bad guys. And so you see everything that we think is all about weapons of mass destruction, terrorists, we need TSA. Oh, by the way, you know, just like TSA never went away, uh, uh, you know, after 911, wait till you see all the things that we're going to be expected to live with after mm -hmm. coronavirus being a normal part of life forevermore. So, you yeah. know, that's what's really going on here. Okay, sorry, I digress. I don't think, uh, I don't think people in Asia will ever s s stop wearing masks. I think that's just going to be their new reality. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So Royal Rife, The Cancer Cure That Worked, uh, that's actually the name of a book by uh, Barry Limes and 
What is? Did I get his last name wrong? I'm. Uh, no, Barry Lyons. We did a whole podcast. Yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, I read that a long, long time ago. Okay, his universal microscope, he called it a universal microscope, was able to provide amplification levels of 60,000 times without killing the specimens. Now, regular dark field uh, microscopy, the one I've used and, and uh, you know, uh, seen Gaston Nason's somatoscope, um, are not nearly as good resolution, but we have ways uh, with the less rev- resolution to... Um, do things that we'll talk about in a little bit uh, that allow us to make very educated assumptions. But uh, the universal microscope here could see things at an amazing level. And so uh, Royal would spend 16 hours a day staring at people's blood and looking at what he called the virus, the cancer virus. Now, again, he's using the term virus very loosely because you know, what the hell else do you call it? And that's what people, you know, use out there in, in the conventional world. And, uh, you know, what he was looking at, uh, you know, could be cell fragments. It could be, um, you know, the cell metids and any number of things. But when these things get to a certain level and overstay their welcome, and, and I think especially cell fragments, um, then, uh, you know, they can lower the milliamperage of the cells around them to, you know, good milliamperage of healthy cells is about uh, 70 milliamps. And if it goes below that uh, or below 90 in the central nervous system, then cells, uh, you know, are not as vibrant. And at that point, they need to be repolarized. That's what we do with PEMF technologies and so forth. And, and, and um, you know, we were using those, the early models years ago in clinics because we understood we had to repolarize the cells that were literally like batteries losing their juice. And then the cells would be more amenable to the other modalities that we're using to help the body regain its health. Um, so... Uh, he uh, would then look at these and then subject them by way of a radio tube to certain frequencies, and he would find what he called the mortal oscillating frequency that would kill these guys. So it's actually kind of a um, an allopathic approach because we're really not um, getting at the reason why there was an abundance of these things that were degrading the health in the first place. But when people are on their last legs and they've got what we call a terminal situation, uh, you know, you've got to knock these things down quickly in order to increase the window of opportunity so that these people can regain their health. And, um, you know, that's the kind of things we did back in the day in order to, uh, you know, create that situation where people had the time, even though they already overstayed their welcome. And uh, so that's why his technology was literally a lifesaver for so many people. And he himself at different times stated, well, you know, you still have to take care of your lifestyle and all the, the factors that you got there in the first place so you don't have to come back every few years and find the mortal oscillating frequency. And um, keep in mind, too, when Royal was doing his work, we didn't have... 5G, we weren't sprayed like bugs from the atmosphere. Um, You know, antibiotics were not, uh, you know, overused the way they are now. 
uh, food was less degraded. There was no genetically modified organisms. So there's, uh, you know, I, I know in the rife communities, uh, you know, rifely they're, you know, uh, trying to use different uh, step-down versions of the right techno rife technology, and it can be helpful. But, you know, we live in a different time. There's different factors at play. And also, the, you know, we do not have the ability to see things to find the exact, uh, you know, mortal oscillating frequency the way he could just specify. So um, the reason why we talk about Rife here is, once again, he found that there's these little guys in the blood that, you know, were... Uh, you know, endogenous, uh, you know, belonged, you know, as part of our ecosystem. And he figured out a way to uh, deal with them and help people regain their health. But it really helps paint the narrative that it's all about bringing the ecosystem, uh, um, you know, back into balance. Yeah. Okay. He was amazing. Uh, at, let's go. At he was amazing at really bringing pleomorphism to the, I mean, that was one thing we talked about uh, in that podcast was the pleomorphic pleomorphism versus monomorphism debate was just raging at that time. And uh, he was yeah. really crucial in showing that with his analog microscope, um, how that functions, because that's the other thing we talk about all the time is that analog technology is where we need to be going the digital technology is is run by the controllers to obfuscate reality by giving us a simulacrum of what is truly nature. So we need to get away from the digital, back to the analog, back to Royal Rife Tech, stuff like that, so that we can see the truth. Including our music. Yeah. Um, if I want to listen to old Beatles or something, I, I'll get out the vinyl, you know, the CDs suck. <laughs> All right. There's just, there's less information there. So you lose a lot of the, the stuff. And if you uh, don't have an educated ear, you, you aren't but, getting the good harmonies. But you were always playing them backwards, right? I was. <laughs> Paul is dead. <laughs> I was, uh, I was in my dorm room with a bunch of other football players and we're actually doing that. And I remember our quarterback was getting all spooked. He was, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> is this true? Anyway, Billy, I think we might have been under the influence of something at the same time, too, but I won't say much That wasn't happening that. in the 70s or 60s. Come on. <laughs> okay, so back to screen share, and we'll get through these pretty quick, I hope. Uh, next guy I want to talk about is Gaston Nasons. Good old Gaston. Uh, you know, another thing that uh, all these people had in common is they were persecuted <laughs> like crazy, uh, you know, spent jail time like Gaston did. And uh, I, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. If, if the general public really understood what was going on, but instead they, you know, and not our audience, our audience is more sophisticated, but you know, the, the regular folks out there that, you know, hear things in the media. And, and so as soon as you bring up some of these ideas or individuals, oh, I read about him, he was in, you know, he's a criminal or, or that's quackery. So, you know, we are not losing the war on microbes or the war on cancer. This is a propaganda war. That's the war we're losing. And um, 
So Gaston Naissance, the somatoscope, he developed a, a really not quite like the universal, but you know, more sophisticated than my uh, dark field microscope and uh, pretty good resolution and utilizing a combination of optics and electronics. He was a good inventor like Royal was. And it allowed him to visualize somatids uh, with Gunther Enderlein called protids and their predictable pleomorphic life cycle. I got uh, a picture from a manual I have from a seminar I did with him. Uh, you know, that'll show these in a, in another slide or two. We only have two more slides and then, then let's open this up. So you, um, uh, so you, you uh, just real quick, you met the man. Yeah. In Toronto back, uh, oh, I don't know, 30 years ago or yeah, a long time ago. So, um, his findings not only validated the pleomorphic nature of microbes, but led to his development of 714X as yet another effect of cancer therapy. Now, um, I can talk about this freely uh, now because I don't do it anymore, and hopefully the statute of limitations has run out. But 714X was a high benzene content um, uh, uh, concentrate. And what you did is you, um, for 21 days, you uh, injected into the inguinal lymph nodes. And, you know, cancer, as we think of it, doesn't kill anybody. But people that succumb to uh, a tumor that's on one of those biological plateaus, um, it starts robbing you of all your nutrition, especially nitrogenous, uh, you know, proteins. That's why people get all emaciated and, and literally starve to death. That's, that's what happens at the end. Now, with uh, injecting this in there, and he was ingenious to figure this out, um, you're putting in uh, nitrogen, which breaks up the vicious circle uh, that you get in where these uh, tumors are cannibalizing you in order to stay alive themselves. And after a certain amount of time, it breaks that cycle up and then allows people to, uh, you know, just regain, uh, you know, their health and redevelop tissues. And again, it was a, a brilliant way of widening the window of opportunity so that long-term terrain medicine could, uh, you know, have a chance to do its work. And, you know, bioterrain medicine, I would boldly say it will fix anything 100% of the time. But just like uh, Vince Lombardi used to say in football, we didn't lose the game. We just ran out of time. Well, that's exactly how I feel about a lot of cases where people, you know, did not regain their health. So uh, uh, I've even gone as far to say, I've even gone to far as say is that diabetics can be, diabetes can be reversed. And I've taken some okay, so diabetes, real quick, um, what you want to do is you take your blood sugar, then you take total body sugars, which is something you do in ionization analysis. I won't say more because it gets involved. And then you have another reagent that you use, a Clini test, and there's a way to interplay between those three tests, and you can see if a person is truly diabetic or not. 95% of the time, they aren't diabetic, and in two to four weeks, using certain ionization analysis techniques, you can take that person out of the diagnosis of diabetes. There you uh, go. Okay, another good subject matter to talk about someday. Well, okay, we're talking about 714X. It's just good to you know touch on all these things. Because I think we'll do a whole show on Gaston Nasons. Yeah. yeah, we could. 
All right, so uh, here we go. Um, uh, we'll just uh, finish with, I, uh, this is a quote, I've been able to establish a life cycle of forms in the blood that add up to no less than a brand new understanding of the basis of life. You know, you notice he didn't say disease, just like Mike, you talked about, that's the way um, uh, Bouchamp looked at things too, and that's the truth. It's about life, it's not about disease. The medical establishment in its present state is a death cult. And what else can you call it when you have a group of people obsessed with death and disease rather than focusing on the mechanisms of life? It's like starting up a business and focusing on going broke rather than <laughs> prospering. Doesn't work. Uh... Okay, so what we're talking about is an entirely new biology, one out of which has fortunately sprung practical applications of benefit to sick people, even before all of its many theoretical aspects have been sorted out. So Gaston was one of many people that came up with alternative therapies based on studying life. How are we doing, Mike? We're doing great. Keep it going. I've got, we've got some questions. Oh man, but we're going get, a long time already. Okay, yeah, we'll finish. I want to get through a, these this slides a, so we can get to these, get to the fun questions. Okay, and uh, this we can do in less than five minutes. New Germanic medicine. Germanic new medicine requires a complete assemblage point shift and reevaluation of both allopathic and alternative therapies. Uh, I borrowed from uh, Carlos Castaneda the term assemblage points. I always liked it. But what it is, it's a real energetic phenomena where it's like getting red-pilled. When you shift your perspective, your basic understanding of life, then just like waking up from a dream one morning you're seeing things with totally different eyes. So we have had our assemblage, assemblage point altered so that we are seeing, as you pointed out, an inverted reality. So new, Germanic new medicine requires such a basic shift um, you know, in order to understand it, that we can't possibly do it any justice today or in six podcasts. Uh, so let's just plant some seeds for the future here. So uh, it, it would require a reevaluation of both allopathic and alternative therapies because unbeknownst to most of us holistic physicians, we're in the same old box and we don't even know it, Okay. So we talk about his concept of a pre-programmed biological response. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Uh, Homer bridged the chasm between spirit and matter with an evidence-based evidence -based understanding of disease as a holographic facsimile, uh, facsimile of the psyche. Wow. Point number one, human biology is designed to facilitate the transition from animal instinctual reactions to rational sentience. We could uh, pull out some studies here that were done by uh, one of my favorite Italian brothers, uh, Nassim Harriman, who, uh, who showed with his studies uh, that humanity is in this uh, midway 
point in consciousness where he, we have the ability to go in either direction. And our biology is programmed on, you know, for the human biology uh, with mechanisms that biologically express what we would think of as traumas on our psyche so that we can evolve beyond animal instinctual reactionary consciousness to more of a um, rational, uh, you know, level of thinking and sorting things out. And you'll notice that the media and school and everything else is constantly trying to drag us into just reactions, you know, just really basic reactions based on animal lower animal instincts for survival. That's why everybody's freaked out right now and going for all this garbage. So uh, complex human social interactions are biologically interpreted through instinctual programs to create psychological trauma. What's that mean? So in an animal situation, you have basic survival instincts that drive animals to just survive, basically. We embryologically have all of those hardwired into us, but because of the mechanism that Dr. Homer discovered and proved is that um, our psyche will then trigger a specific part of the brain to um, biologically represent that trauma that we are perceiving at the level of the psyche to um, create different conditions that medicine would then describe as disease or cancer and so forth. Okay. And this was proven with 40,000 CAT scans where if a person had, after he created his, his taxonomy, of disease and its uh, uh, link to the psyche. He was able to understand how every biological expression, what we call disease, is related to a certain level of psychological trauma. And he showed how it made very good biological sense how the, uh, you know, a tumor in the breast versus a tumor in the prostate or something was actually graphically, holographically uh, you know, developing to represent this level of, uh, of trauma and, and uh, the psyche would then trigger uh, a response from a brain center that had to do, for instance, it's, let's call a, you know, a, a tumor in the endocrine system somewhere and it would, um, you know, trigger uh, an old endodermal, you know, germ level of tissue in the hindbrain to biologically express, grow a tumor. And then what would happen is that would go full circle when it relieved the pressure on the level of the psyche, go full circle, you would go through predictable symptoms. And if you understand the biphasic nature of it as a bioterrain specialist, then you would uh, know how to work with it. Uh, if it's appropriate, sometimes you work with the patient to understand the level of the issue with the psyche, and then you supply, make sure the body through other levels of testing is supplied with all the ingredients it needs so that you don't get caught on a biological plateau, which is what's happening to everybody these days. And uh, then, you know, it goes full circle. Now, the way the germs or the microbes come in is he found 
Oh, by the way, um, they at the level of the brain, the CAT scan, uh, you know, when somebody say had a breast tumor, he would say, okay, you're going to find on CAT scan, uh, uh, um, a lesion right here. And a hundred percent of the time, 40,000 CAT scans, the lesion was found exactly where he said it would be. And then at the completion of treatment, when the person, uh, you know, is finished with the biological expression, uh, they do a CAT scan again and find that the lesion on the brain scan was gone. Wow. So pretty neat stuff. Yeah. Um, so he found that embryologically, uh, you know, you have three germ uh, levels of tissue, uh, endoderm, mesoderm, and ectoderm. And each one of those, as you can see, I won't go through them all, uh, kind of evolves in a way embryologically along with certain symbionts, we'll call them, like in uh, en endoderm, you know, the brainstem uh, derived tissues, uh, you know, uh, work with mycobacterium and fungi, and you can read the rest of them yourself. Uh, going to ectodermal, you know, more the recent uh, embryological development that also corresponds to the cerebral cortex. And he said, uh, virus, and he was always careful to say if virus exists the way we uh, think they do, because he know he knew it was different. Uh, I have cell fragments in parentheses because that's kind of where I come from, and these ectodermal tissues, um, you know, would require these what we call virus in order to degrade the uh, the the disease tissues or the tumor. And if you intervene with chemo and antibiotics and all the stupid stuff we do, then it kills these guys. And for instance, uh, go back to the endoderm and you have a tumor in the breast, then uh, what happens is because there's not sufficient amount of these organisms that in phase two would normally secrete enzymes that would digest the tumor because it was no longer necessary, uh, you know, then that doesn't happen and you get one of those biological plateaus that we're talking about. So he not only, um, you know, showed how microbes play a role, but he also went more specific and showed how these microbes play a specific role uh, depending on the tissue involved, depending on the part of the brain involved and related it all back to how these things all um, evolved together on an embryological level. How are we doing? One last slide here. Good, good, good. Keep going. Okay. So we have a picture, uh, which I won't uh, go through uh, to, the, to your right there. And that's what, you know, I've seen for years uh, under the microscope when I look at people's blood, uh, you know, when I see, uh, uh, you know, progression into bacterial or fungal forms or chondrites or uh, you know, or, or all the things in between, then I can tell you exactly what's going on in, diff in people's bodies. Now, I would do something different also because uh, without a somatoscope or a universal microscope, I can't see the resolution that would allow me to say, oh, that is a pleomorphic progression of, uh, of a certain organism, and therefore I wouldn't be able to understand maybe what isopathic remedy, you know, the pharmacology developed by Enderline, which one to use or, or how to orchestrate the whole bioterrain therapy. So uh, what I would do, and I learned this from another gentleman, um, we would take these isopathic remedies in a liquid form. We take about a dozen blood slides 
and uh, you know the same blood at the same time from a person, and then introduce these liquid forms of the um, isopathic, say from a, uh, let's just say from the strain of mucor racemosis, and then if um, uh, you know looking at it within moments under the slide, if all of a sudden you saw the proteids progress in in a way that would give byproducts that we knew were the product of mucoracemosis, then you knew what you were dealing with. And then there's other ways we'd measure with labs and things that would corroborate, but that's the way I would use a dark-filled microscope. And in, in the case of uh, mucor, uh, one of these little proteins, one of the things they do, sometimes they go through different progressions in order to create fibrin in the blood that then becomes the basis of thrombocytes, which is a whole blood clotting mechanism. And then on the other hand, if they overstay their welcome into these advanced forms inappropriately, then when you, you know, uh, just look at the blood and see all these cobwebs in the blood, or if you put on the developer of the mucoracemosis that I'm talking about, and all of a sudden, you know, all these cobwebs appear, then you knew that you had to um, regress that phase of mucoracemosis back to its protid form so that the normal viscosity of the blood would take place, uh, you know, occur. And that is, uh, you know, the main reason why blood becomes too viscous. So rather than taking aspirin a day and, and Coumadin, which is rat poison and all these stupid things we do that, you know, uh, degrade our health in order because we're afraid of a blood clot. Well, if you took mucoracemosis, um, not only would it would be a great immunization in other ways, but it would also uh, balance the, um, the viscosity out perfectly in a biological way, and, and you'd have improvements to microcirculation and all sorts of good things that you can't possibly get by taking rat poison. Okay, mm. so uh, here we go. Viruses, cell debris, a high cell debris reading on ionization analysis, that's just one of the labs I do, one of many, indicates rapid aging and tissue degeneration. So, um, you know, normally cells die every day and, and we could get more involved, but bottom line, when the cell fragments raise to an inordinately high amount, it shows that there's, uh, you know, rapid aging and degeneration of tissues, and I'm simplifying greatly here. But then these cell fragments uh, will then, uh, and then this is not anything I can prove, but a lot of uh, folks I know in the field kind of share my opinion, and I believe this way because when I take care, when I take measures to reduce the cell fragments, when I see them on the lab test, uh, very often people start getting better, so maybe it's kind of a... Um, you know, kind of um, looking at things and jerry-rigging from, you know, in a backwards way, but it works. So I, I have a belief system that there's something to this. So cell fragments, which, uh, you know, might be construed as virus, and uh, these interact with whole cell DNA or RNA to initiate important self-correcting mechanisms, including the release of surfactants that actually dissolve disease tissue and, and cleanse the fluids and so forth. And, you know, whether you're talking about in the world of viruses, regular viruses or retro, well, you know, it just has to do with the sequencing of how, uh, you know, the whole process of this interaction happens, you know, and retroviruses, which people talk about these days, is just a use of, uh, oh, what's it called, reverse transcriptase that, 
you know, uh, just changes uh, the sequence of events. And, and that's the only difference between the kind of viruses. Again, we're simplifying. Um, so viruses are actually inside of us. They're produced inside of us. And just like uh, pre, um, uh, protids, somatids, virus, they're all produced from our own cells. And another thing I didn't say, when I'm looking at people's blood, I can see, uh, you know, in the old school, we used to call it parasitized blood because we'd see these bulging little masses inside blood cells and white blood cells. And, uh, you know, then that means there's a little factory going on inside there. And if you watched it, all of a sudden you see it birthing all these other little creatures that doctors call, uh, you know, bacteria and such. So uh, let's see, where were we? So, so exogenous there, virus? There, Go ahead. So when you're saying cell debris, do you conceptualize these uh, within this pleomorphic process? Are these alive um, or are these specifically just, like you said, I guess fragments? So these aren't pleomorphically being created like in a smaller version of a bacteria, but are instead kind of more like uh, um, just the result of that? I'm still trying to wrap my head around how this works with yeah. pleomorphism. So here's, here's, uh, here's what I believe, again, just based on functional medicine. I can't prove it, and I'd love for you know people to prove this out and someday we'll get there. But again, on a functional level, things work with this understanding. So viruses being cell fragments, they're like dead cell matter, but they have the ability to interact with regular cells. And, you know, much like we might theorize a, um, a virus might do, in our common understanding, and then not only provoke the cell to um, uh, produce, uh, as we say, surfactants and things that help uh, dissolve dead tissue and also to cleanse, but also initiate pleomorphic progression of, you know, the protosomatids to go into bacterial fungi stage and so forth that are all part of the process. Say, so they all interplay together. I can't prove, you know, uh, exactly how that works, but we measure that on, uh, you know, the cell fragments with ionization analysis. And when we take measures to get the cell fragments reduced, which means we're actually uh, interacting with the mechanisms why cells are dying at a higher rate and not being eliminated sufficiently from the body and, and therefore always coincidentally uh, seems to be linked to poor health and, and symptoms. When we get that under control, then people regain their health. So that's where I'm coming from. I'm just a clinician. I'm not a researcher. I'm not a Royal Rife. But those guys gave me enough information to help me understand how to test for certain things and then functionally create changes in the bioterrain that coincidentally um, you know, uh, we seem to notice that people get better more than not when you do these things. So yeah. that's all I can say is what I know from practical experience. From my, and, from, uh, so, go ahead. from my research, 
right on with that. It seems like from what I've found by reading, you know, Nasons and Bouchamp and newer people is that it, it seems like to me within the pleomorphic cycle, typically first and foremost, we have the bacteria is created to do the job. But when there's an overtoxification, when the bacteria is overwhelmed, we have a backup system that kicks in where these solvents are, are initiated via these quote-unquote viruses, uh, uh, which are just, like you said, these cell-fragmentary these self fragmentary, uh, inert um, uh, organic molecules or something. I don't know. It's not, there's not, they're not alive, per se, where they don't have respiration or the same effects that something like bacteria would, but they're doing something. They're doing something that's been sent yeah. there to clean up. Yeah. And, you know, it, when we say not alive, well, you know, that, that's another discussion. A rock is alive. You know, it may not be walking around or breathing, but a rock is an energetic vibration of elements that are coming from a level of consciousness um, that is absolutely alive. So, um, you know, we have to redefine our entire reality to really understand things. So uh, all the, the next points are things we've already talked about. Uh, I finished with a little treat the body, not the disease uh, statement. Uh, the study of anthroposophic medicine, which I've been very involved with uh, for a long time. Homeopathic miasms, which get into root race um, consciousness. Uh, Asian medicine and waveform physics will further enlighten practitioners to the true nature of human ecosystems and the origin of what we think of as disease while opening new vistas for treatment and the advancement of humanity. And that little paragraph there, anthroposophic, uh, homeopathic miasms, we could get into Samuel Hahnemann and, and how he understood the three uh, uh, classifications of miasms were the um, uh, basis of uh, all disease as we think of it, and, and they just differentiate in different forms from the three miasms, and to understand that, it's a huge discussion, but it all fits together with anthroposophic, with waveform physics, and the problem is, is we're not taught any of this in school, so, uh, you know, the, to our audience out there, you don't have to be a genius to understand these things. It's fascinating study, and the truth will set you free. It set me free as a physician. Uh, it, it allowed me to help uh, many people along the way that, uh, that I wouldn't otherwise have uh, been able to do. Um, it, um, you know, maybe created a career that wasn't quite as lucrative as it could have been, uh, you know, and, and always having to watch over my shoulder. But, um, you know, I wouldn't change a thing for a million years. Uh, so I think we're good, Michael. Why don't you uh, take it from wow. there? And, and wow, 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 wow. My brain is full right now. Um, yeah, there's so many more ways we can dive into New German medicine and that homeopathic uh, stuff, which we will. Uh, let's do a couple of the questions that I, that uh, well, one from the peanut gallery and then also two, and we're already running up on two hours already, but um, that's okay. We'll, we'll crank through this. So, you know, understanding that 
environmental impacts on the terrain or what cause quote unquote disease, not the, the, the quote unquote germs outside. Well, and this relates back to everything being inside. So what they say is uh, when I say they, I guess I'm saying like mainstream science me uh, medical establishment say that these, these viruses um, are uh, basically these little microscopic um, microbes that connect to a specific disease symptom and that they can exist outside and that for instance with the current covid scare they're saying this thing can this thing can live on a piece of plastic or something for what up to 7 days some have said 14 days i mean it's a, it just shows how they don't they know nothing because they're saying something different every time but how are they how are they saying this how are they proving this are they proving this um you know knowing what we've talked about how can they get away with saying that there is this virus that's on a piece of plastic that if you you touch and then you somehow get into your mouth or something, then we'll go in and give you uh, COVID-19? And how can a protein survive your, you know, your gastric juices? How can it um, get past the microbial defenses uh, on our body surface that uh, you know, the microbes uh, outnumbering, uh, you know, the trillions of cells in our body, about 10,000 to one. And, you know, one of the reasons why uh, microbes are so problematic in their pleomorphic progression in hospitals is because um, we're constantly sterilizing everything, washing our hands, not just with soap and water, but with these disinfectants that then kill all the natural defenses that would normally keep, you know, uh, more violent strains from progressing to that level. Let me, uh, let me give you one more analogy just to kind of wrap this up and, and then go with the next question. Let's just say I uh, go over to see you. You tell me you've got a sore throat and you went to the doctor. It was, um, you know, diagnosed as a, or cultured as a streptococcus. I wake up the next morning. Uh, sure enough, I got my strep throat. I go to the doctor, streptococcus. Well, what's the contagion? It's not a streptococcus, you know, flying out of your nose and into my nose and crawling up and, and making war on my body. The um, protid or somatid family of penicillin notatum and, and uh, Gunther Enderlein, you know, traced all these out. And, and again, he you know, still unrefuted to this day. Penicillin notatum, that seed lives in within us. And then uh, if I, you know, have a contagion, what I'm really getting is a contagion on more of an electromagnetic plane. You know, and if people think that sounds far out, okay, well, uh, come over to my place and maybe I'm in a real bad, foul mood and you spend the day with me. How are you going to uh, feel by the time you leave? You're going to pick up on that energetic and be kind of bummed out yourself. So we do this all the time and understand how energetics are contagions. But uh, now consider that that same bandwidth that, uh, you know, you're not at your best when you have a strep throat, as we call it. Uh, so, you know, I might be vulnerable, uh, you know, six other my pe people might be in the same room with you and not get it, but I do because my resistance is lower on a different levels. I pick up that frequency and then remember as above, so below. Now all the biological processes necessarily holographically 
you know, represent the same exact frequency, which means creating the bioterrain conditions where a penicillin notatum pleomorphically progresses to the bacterial stage. It's now going to be cultured as a strep throat. And because that poor little SOB is caught at the scene of the crime, he gets circumstantially blamed for the whole mess in the first place. And, oh, hey, for a good idea, let's just give you antibiotics because what if it spreads to your kidneys and into your heart and everything else? And, you know, uh, so uh, that's another whole discussion. But I'm just trying to suggest that maybe there's mechanisms at play that we don't have a clue about. That's all I have to say, Mike. Interesting. Cause that was, yeah, that was kind of relating to the next question. Like uh, a family, you know, somebody comes down with the cold and the rest of the family gets the cold, but that's usually, that's not always the case. I mean, usually you, if you have a large family, there's a couple people that just never get sick, you know, and how many people do we know in the world that just never get sick? And like my wife, she's a nurse. Uh, I've been a nurse for a decade now and she's like never sick and she's around sick people all day long and she's never sick because she's got an amazing immune system and more than that she's got an amazing countenance on life she's a she's just a, a very amazing person that just doesn't get emotional she's very steady she's very even Steven and she just doesn't let things affect her and she does not get sick my dad he was like never sick in my 20s I was always sick and your son who was one of my best friends was never sick and I was like, how are you never sick, man? Like, we go out and party. I mean, we were DJs in Hollywood, like raging, <laughs> drinking. Like, I mean, we were in our 20s having fun, right? Never sick. Um, and so I, this is when I started to wake up to this. It's, it's much, we, we want to, in this scientific modernism, want to find the connection between stuff, between the, the, the remedies, right? Even in natural, in the more holistic kind of natural medicine side, we're always looking for right now. What's the big thing? Vitamin C, chaga. You know, shout out to Cliff High and his chaga gangsters. But it's funny. It's like chaga, chaga mushroom and vitamin C, and you know, that's all great. But it's we got to expand our mind, guys. We and this is why we talk about the physics all the time on this channel. It's way beyond um, the stuff, the molecules. Uh, so, um, you know, another question like childhood disease, like measles, uh, we talked about Dr. Lenka, how he put out a hundred thousand euro, um, um, gamble, a bet to see if someone could prove to him that there's such thing as a measles virus. And it went to a higher court and the guy who tried to counter him and win the hundred thousand euros lost in a higher court was, he had six documents he put forth that were all termed to be insufficient by the court. And so that, that bet's still out there for 100,000 euros for someone to prove that there's such thing as a measles virus. Um, same with HIV, same with all these things. But, but with children's, like the chicken pox or measles, how does that, uh, in your mind, is that kind of the same thing? Um, uh, how does that work? And I know, and we know that that's nature's way of, of, of strengthening a children's immune system, right? And resolve against future chronic illness and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and it's been uh, well-researched that uh, measles, for instance, um, uh, conveys informational fields into a body when you, uh, you know, express measles that, uh, you know, later on will not allow a cancer process. You remember, I, I hate to use the word cancer even, but that biological expression we call cancer prevents it from getting on an uncomfortable biological plateau so these things 
are all part of nature's design to make us impervious. And what I love about new German medicine to actually evolve our consciousness beyond lower animal instinctual survival um, mindset, which is what contemporary medicine and education is trying to constantly keep us in that lower state of mindset. And, you know, you talked about your wife. Well, I used to be inundated with, I see 30 people a day, you know, and I was just around sick people all the time. And in earlier years, I just said, well, I, I'm not worried about catching anything because I have doctor's immunity. Well, and, and, you know, that's just something that we throw around. It's like, yeah, doctor's immunity. Well, that would suggest that somewhere on some level you're resistant when you're playing that role. So why the hell all of a sudden does everybody need vaccines to keep, you know, from getting sick? Uh, and, and, you know, medical thinking, there's all these disconnects and incongruities that if you just thought about everything they say, it, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah, there's, we're, <clears throat> this goes back to history again and how we've been just, just I mean, constantly just this is driven into our head that um, back in the day before all this wonderful new medical science, people were barely living past 30, people were sick, people were dying and miserable, and then the, the invention of the vaccine and invention of allopathic medicine has saved us all. But what we're finding is that's completely invalid. Um, unfortunately, due to geopolitical and cultural reasons, people were dying younger because they were just being massively enslaved and abused by those in power. Um, there was a lot of trauma, a lot of war, uh, and also hygienic issues because people were living in dire poverty and in uh, when the rise of the cities and, and stuff during the uh, uh, the Industrial Revolution. We know that people were living in utter filth, which isn't good. But um, the idea that allopathic medicine and vaccines somehow turn that is a completely bogus notion, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and why, why don't we focus in on other historical uh, points where in other cultures where people lived hundreds of years and did not suffer from the same ailments? And uh, people in their, uh, you know, advanced years were limber and robust and, and uh, in way better health than people are today. And why don't we also uh, start talking about how lifespans are once again decreasing, even though they were on the rise for a little bit, even though we're still doing crappy, but you know, at least they were coming up from those conditions uh, that improve from better hygiene and nutrition. And now they're, they're declining again because of all the factors that we've you know, talked about here. So um, you know, it, it's, they like to conveniently talk about uh, certain points in history and then kind of wipe out other evidence from other cultures and and points in time where the exact opposite was going on. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's just, it's brain, it's propaganda. Okay, so back to um, the, the, here, I have another question. Life immunity. We're told you have, a, you have a specific symptoms from a quote-unquote virus, and then you won't be subjected to it again. So you get, you get chicken pox once. I don't know if we totally covered the chicken pox thing either. 
but you get chicken pox once you won't get it again. How does that work within this framework? Well, you, these microbes are intelligence. It's pure biological intelligence and part of universal design. And if they, you know, just like in your computer, you, you download a, a program for Photoshop, you know, um, you know, you have the intelligence that you don't have to keep downloading the same program every day. Biological intelligence is actually operating on a much more fundamental level and there's no need for the same interaction with that informational field. It's handled. So yeah, you could call it immunity, but there's something much more uh, profound going on and it is an interaction between the intelligence of your ecosystem and that particular microbe that gave you the uh, download in the first place that then uh, sets you up for better health and, and uh, not just health. You know, there's other informational fields that increase our bandwidth of perception in other ways as well. So, um, you know, with that interaction, there's, there's no need for that same interaction and that same process that we would describe as symptoms. Uh, very interesting. Uh, another question. I'm just throwing these out because I know we're, we're coming up on time here. Uh, we like to keep it around two hours. Uh, but uh, so how do we, um, another thing that people bring up, like with polio, for instance, polio is always the big one my mom brings up. God bless her. I love her to death. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've had some fun arguments on this stuff. Uh, but polio. So how do we explain worldwide symptoms like that? Uh, same with you know, Spanish flu and stuff, which we could do. A, I love Spanish flu because I, I feel like I got a good handle on that. But polio, <clears throat> and, this, and this also, <clears throat> excuse me, comes into kind of the definition, the defining of the symptoms and reusing past quote-unquote disease like the CDC and who are great at this and creating new rules and new names for things that have already exist. I personally think that's what they're doing an amazing job right now with COVID. Um, you know, kind of rebranding the flu and using these tests as a way to kind of drive home the, the you know, this, the fear factor of it when really it's just kind of like, yeah, it's the flu. Like we know people die from the flu. Millions die every year from it due to that, as you were saying, the biological plateau issue, right? Um, but uh, polio, that's a good one. Let's, let's just, let's just take on polio. We know the vaccine is a, a huge issue with that, but I don't know if we've covered it yet, this like human cycle issue idea. Okay, so polio is a great one. <clears throat> First, you have to understand <clears throat> that humanity is seamless with nature and it's a uniform field of intelligence. Just like the cells in the body, you know, I was uh, amazed when I was studying in Guyton's physiology in, you know, medical school. Um, there are experiments that are done where if one cell was subjected to certain interaction, they could determine that every other cell at the same exact moment was aware of what was going on in that one cell. And there's trillions of cells. And I used to sit there, I'd read that, and it's like, my mind was blown. Uh, it's like, wow, there's something going on there. How does everybody know? <laughs> well, how does all of humanity know, uh, you know, how we're all feeling? Like, lately, even if you aren't 
watching the news, you know, people I know that live out here and there's, you know, none of us have TV out here and most people don't keep abreast of things with the internet, but I'll talk to them and they'll go, well, something's kind of creepy today. It's just kind of off. It's something's <laughs> weird, you know? So we all are communicating in ways that we don't understand. Now, just when accumulations of toxins and things happen in your body that require a pleomorphic progression of organisms to initiate a cleansing that then we call strep throat or whatever you want to think of, there's also times when the collective has been subjected to certain neurotoxins, we'll say, or other kind of toxins that um, are building up into the collective herd. And therefore, there is a group immunity response that we call polio as an example. Now, when I was a kid, that's what was going on, you know, going back to the 50s. And what was happening there, there's all sorts of poisons and agricultural uh, poisons that were being used back then, things that pregnant moms were uh, subjected to that have all been outlawed since, but they were um, collecting within the herd, within individual bodies, and then when you go back to principles that Samuel Hahnemann understood when he described things like miasms, you see how there can be a triggered biological response, just like Dr. Homer in New German Medicine described on an individual basis, but now it's happening within the herd. And then you have the outbreak of certain things. And if there's a particular toxin that's affecting uh, you know, predominantly the nervous system, then you're going to have these responses that, you know, we then label as a disease such as polio. And then, of course, uh, the polio vaccine didn't fix the thing because the um, collective was already on the other end of the biological response, people were no longer getting polio as they did for one little brief moment in time. And then, you know, Dr. Homer said, remember, it also starts with an assault on the psyche. So do you not think that on some level of your being, if you're being subjected to neurotoxins, that somebody inside there isn't perceiving it as war being made on the body or as an assault and that on a level of the psyche is going to trigger within the herd common biological expressions pick your disease terminology that will then all of a sudden seem epidemic at a certain time. So now it ran its course and, uh, you know, that was expressed and humanity always gets over these periods where we have a group poisoning, you know, or for instance, uh, like, uh, Rudolf Steiner said, you know, back in the eight, early 1800s, how electricity was the beginning of the end and he didn't see anything yet, but he said it would be the downfall of humanity. Well, you know, then, uh, you know, in those time periods, you have things like Spanish flu and things. Now, I'm not saying that's the only cause, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a mass herd 
epidemic. And people, <clears throat> through that expression, come out the other side, they survive it, and don't express the same symptoms, but they also, as a herd, aren't as healthy as they used to be. And the same thing with something like polio, and uh, because polio was uh, becoming non-existent, at that point, uh, you know, of course, they come out with the vaccine and say, oh, we cured it because it's not around. No, it was already not occurring, but now you have an outbreak of other neurological expressions, uh, specifically because of the vaccine, that, and some of those symptoms weren't happening anymore, and these symptoms were just over polio. A lot of them were what we call meningitis and different expressions, uh, you know, based on the same kind of exposure to the vaccine. So um, does that kind of reframe it in a way where we could imagine how epidemics can occur. Now, there's a little bit of understanding that we need to draw from a lot of old school thought and some of the great minds that understood these things, but it's all very logical when you realize we aren't little isolated, uh, just like the cells of the body are not isolated. They have a group mind, humanity. We are each a cell within the larger body of humanity, and we will express things collectively as well as individually. Yeah, makes perfect sense to me. Makes more sense than the idea of uh, contagion uh, where, oh, hey, little buddy. Uh, you have an intruder there. I did have an intruder there. Um, we're running over time. I think they're done with their modules and are, are getting free here. Homeschooling's fun. Um, but the idea of contagion and pandemics goes back to demonology and to really a lot of mysticism, which is still what scientism uh, is now. And it's funny is that um, what was Pasteur back in the day going, taking it all the way back full circle was um, spontaneous generation was the prevailing thought that uh, Pasteur originated, originally what believed in and actually, and Bouchamp, you know, was saying, no, that's, this, let me explain what's going on here with the microzymas. But what do you think they're saying now with what viruses that they just mutate out of the blue or they come from a bat or a, or a bird, or a, uh, they blame it on, well, originally they were blaming it on animals, going back to Jenner and cowpox. Now they blame it on DNA mutations and stuff like that. It's all just modern day spontaneous generation. It's the same thing. It's completely mystical. Um, and they omit, like the, the current was at the head of the CDC, admitted that they don't understand immunology, immunology to this day. They'll admit it. Um, we, you know, so... Anyways, it's just crazy. We live in a we live in a insane asylum casino, as our friend David Leosata says, and it's true. And Jason. or excuse me, Jason Leosatas, and that's um, you know we see it all around us, and it's great that we're trying. You know, we're trying to educate, and there's a lot of other people out there doing it. And you know, I think we really covered a lot today, Bear. I think we, it's about time maybe to wrap it up, if that's cool with you. We're two and a, two hours in over. Um, I mean, we're going to do a lot more of these, right? But what do you think? Wrap it up. Any other things we want to kind of end the, the talk on today? I'm pretty talked out, uh, you know, from personal experience because of the work I did and some of the people that used to come to me um, in our private clinic. Uh, I got to rub elbows with some <clears throat> folks that are actually from some of these, we'll call them lineages. Uh, that go way back to what we would consider the the elite of our planet, and uh, behind the scenes, 
they're very candid about everything that you just said. And they actually, um, even though I had some friendships in, in those circles, uh, they uh, talk about the masses of the people out there with a great disdain because they can't believe how dumb people have gotten. And even though it's because of the institutions that they have created to deliberately dumb people down, but then interestingly enough, they use that as justification to call the herds whenever they see fit, like uh, Bill Gates, uh, you know, and folks like that, uh, very well-known eugenicist. And, um, you know, so we're in a peculiar place. I remain extremely optimistic, even though I believe we haven't seen anything yet. And I know they have a next phase of operation ready to launch after this. But uh, I will default to higher intelligences in the universe and this is uh, nothing more than a brief moment in history where all of our illnesses and our ignorance is coming to the surface. And uh, these people that are perpetrating these myths really have no power except for what they, you know, get from us. So uh, people are waking up. <clears throat> Good doctors are coming out and speaking out. And uh, things are going to get a lot better after a few more bumps here. And uh, we're in for some really pleasant surprises. Just make sure, folks, that you're informed, that you're not in fear. You'll not only survive this, but you'll come out the other end and be part of a new world that we're all going to create together. Because it's our time. It's our time right now. Bravo. Bravo. Yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's a great way to end it. Um, that's why we stress ideas of universal law and uh, controlling what you can in your own paradigm because this is a thought-based universe. So um, you are the power uh, of your own life. So take it in, uh, take control of your life um, and, and live your life in joy and harmony and listen to your heart and your intuition. And um, we always say the easiest way to do that is to get out in nature uh, go start a garden, go for hikes, uh, go take, go camping. I mean, this is what, what we're seeing now is this explosion of people doing that with, uh, like a lot of the millennials getting in buses and just, you know, being able to code or program or write and travel until the national parks. And now you can't do that because you're quarantined. What do you know? But we're seeing it. We're seeing the awakening happening and we're trying to be, um, a part of that. Well, we are a part of that. And uh, that's what Alpha Vedic's all about. So you can go to our website, alphavedic.com and check out our products and our information there. You can join us on telegram t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic. We have an amazing community on there that's growing every day. We talk about this all day long. And if you want to support us and support this podcast, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Alpha Vedic. Um, that uh, we are working on growing rapidly. We'll have a ton of premier content on there. Um, as um, we know more and more censorships coming. We are also working with partners on blockchain to develop decentralized systems. Our blockchain partners, Cordal, which I'm one of the founders of, is about to launch, and that is a decentralized web hosting platform. So we know we need to be the, the change that we want to see. So we want to reiterate that. Go out in your life, spread this awareness, spread the love. Don't be in fear. 
Uh, don't be afraid of, of the boogeyman. And this world is going to change rapidly because that's how it works. Love you guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. Bear, that was a great presentation. Thanks for all the hard work you did there, man. Um, I know a lot of people are really going to appreciate that. You can watch this on YouTube at 5 p.m. on our YouTube channel or listen to it as a podcast anywhere podcasts are, Podbean, iTunes, etc. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day and uh, get out there and have some fun in life. Cheers.